Welcome to the Gold Standard Podcast here on the 440 Sports Network. My name is Braden Gall, and you can follow me on Twitter at Braden Gall. And I am Chris Mason, uh, color analyst for the Nashville Predators. You can follow me on Instagram and Twitter. Do most of my stuff on Twitter at CMace30. I think the audience that listens to this podcast knows exactly who you are and how to find them. And we are very grateful for you hanging out with us. Adam Vingen, we, we apologize to all the great listeners out there. Adam Vingen um, is not here, still taking care of a brand new baby. Baby Arlo Jules Vingen is about, uh, I don't know, about two weeks old now. So we're, we're not asking him to come back. And Chris, gracious enough to hang out with us here on the show in place of admin. I, I didn't expect to upgrade my co-host when Adam <laughs> took some time off. But but we have we've upgraded with you, my man. Well, you you know you know Adam's not listening right now, so you're pretty safe. He's got a he's got a bottle in, in Arlo's mouth right now, so he won't hear that. But uh, I pre- I guess depends on how you say upgrade. Um, he's got the gift of gab as well, so he's and I love uh, I love getting into it with Adam, like just hearing he, he's got a very uh, I love his outlook on things and and the way that he uh, he sees topics and especially the way he handles the Preds. Um, he's, he's good at what he does, man. So we've got a big, big show planned today. Obviously camp opens up. I think rookies report actually, I think like next week, September 16th. And then of course the, the preseason is off and running. Training camp is off and running an actual training camp for John Hines. He's only been here for like a year and a half and he gets his first actual training camp for the predators. A lot of young players. So we're going to get into what you want to see, how you do your job, Chris, going into a season, what you're looking for, how you study camp, all that good stuff, how you prepare, um, we'll do that. We'll talk about UC Saros, of course. New, new, uh, new contract, newly inked there for the goaltender. So we'll talk about him. Um, of course, we've got a lot of stuff to do on the show. We'll talk about Seven Element as well. Um, the work that you and Hal and all the guys do with uh, with that great organization. So we got a lot of stuff to do today on the show. But of course, the Gold Standard brought to you by Jaspers on West and the next evolution of the sports bar, Chris. That is what we are calling them because you don't have to pay for parking, which is oh. free huge there are great drink specials including during preds games and from four to six every single day so that's huge the, the menu by deb paquette is way better than your average sports bar so go go check out jaspers and of course you can order chris i don't know if you know this you can order a gold standard cocktail named after this podcast wow. at, at, at that restaurant we have arrived we have a cocktail so could they deliver me the gold standard during a preds game <laughs> while i'm in the booth uh, how would your bosses feel about that? My bosses don't have to know about that. Oh, okay, okay. But we can um, know, and the gold standard listeners can know. Am I am I uh, divulging industry secrets to suggest that, <laughs> that that I have done a radio show with Hal Gill while perhaps having a beverage? <laughs> <laughs> that does not surprise me one bit. But no, that's awesome. I'll have to. Uh, I now I have to try the gold standard. It's it's a it's a bourbon drink, a nice little oh, bourbon cocktail with some Greenbrier whiskey. It's fantastic. The gold standard cocktail at Jasper's. Go check out Jasper's. It is spectacular. All right, Chris, let's get into it here. So we are a week away from rookies, you know, a couple of weeks away from all the veterans reporting and then preseason camp is off and running and, and they're doing their thing. Um, just first of all, as a broadcaster, like what, what are you what have you been up to? What are you doing? What are you studying? What are you looking to study? How do you sort of get into training camp mode as a broadcaster who's going to call, you know, now 80, finally 82 games again? Yeah, it's awesome. It's exciting. Um, you know, one of the, the bigger things I do is I start to, you know, pay, pay attention because, you know, all the big trades and all that kind of stuff that the, the Preds have got. We got, you know, Philip Myers and we got Cody Glass coming in and obviously the guys on the way out. So you, you try to, you know, really, I don't know if you, it helps constructing the roster, but just learn a little bit more about the new guys and what they're about. Um, maybe where they'll slot in. I know it doesn't really matter because training camp will kind of decide that, but it, it's, uh, it's good to kind of find out about these guys. And then maybe, um, you know, look at some of the position battles and the guys that actually have a chance because, you know, any Preds fan, no, the last two years, there's been massive turnover on this team and we haven't seen that for a lot of years because uh you know right around 2017 when they they went on that run well that was their window to try to you know go for it for those few years but you gotta you always have to keep moving you you can't completely sell out and, and they're calling it you know a competitive rebuild where i feel last year was such a, a blessing in a way that um and a curse i guess for some guys but that they got to take a look at so many young guys 
And so many young guys prove themselves that they can play. And it's not like they get called up and they have two good games and you're like, okay, well, Tanner, you know, you know, he's, the guy looks like he's physical. He, he scored a goal in one of the games, then he sent him back down. Or Alex Carrier, where the first couple of times he got called up, I mean, he looked okay. He looked like he could hang, he could play, but could he, could he be an NHLer? Well, now, you know, the guy's, uh, he's got his top four potential, top pair potential. Maybe I know you and I are probably get into what we we think uh, certain guys where they're going to slot in, but uh, you know, so I, I try to kind of revisit last year's storylines going into the season. You know, new storylines coming in, and uh, you know, it helps to be to be on with you today. In all honesty, to, to talk, about this. <laughs> I don't do that. And like, I know when I first do a game, I'm like, I'm brutal. I'm like, oh my god, like I forget how to do this. So it, it's good to talk about it too. And you know, obviously, social media, I do a lot of my stupid crap there, but that I don't do in the offseason really. So I, I start to kind of like, all right, let's, let's get the juices, the creative juices flowing again. Cause I've been at softball diamonds all summer with my daughter. And that's, uh, that's pretty much my summer. Right. So um, it's fun to get back into it though. Uh, man, I'm, I, well, and, and, and Heinz, like, it's fascinating to me. Like there's no other time, like hockey's had lockouts and, and other sports have had sort of situations like that as well. Baseball, of course, famously canceling the world series in, in the early nineties, but hockey's had lockouts. That's not the same thing as what John Hines has dealt with, who is now going to be, I don't even know what his, his, how many games he's coached. Actually, I probably should know that, but it's, it, you know, it's upwards of a hundred games, probably two, I tri- it, I don't. <laughs> two, two trips into the playoffs and has yet to have an actual training camp. He's been on the job for 19 months now, almost it'll be two years in January and has not had a training camp. Can you try to explain I mean, obviously you weren't a, a skater, but like as a goaltender, as a player, as a coach, like what the last year and a half, it's it. he's done an excellent job. I think fans are probably a little hard on him. I think they need to give him more more benefit of the doubt, but that's because they haven't had an actual normal schedule at all. Like how, how important yeah. is that for players and coaches to actually ramp up in a normal way? Oh my God. It, it's so huge, especially when you, you take, you know, obviously comes in mid, midway through a season coaching change that's hard enough you get a new group of players you got to establish yourself you know try to earn their respect that gets cut off and then you come back for the playoff and then last year it's his first opportunity but he's got a whole new staff as well so he's got a whole new coaching staff of you know guys he got to help bring in and then you know the turnover with the with the players and then you have the taxi squad and all it's just and then you you know the biggest thing last year for me, which I, which I agree with you a lot, Braden, is like, you have to give the guy some grace. You know, they, they're trying to create this new identity and a little bit, I always say it's like a throwback because that's what the Preds used to be. We didn't used to have, but we didn't used to have a lot of talent. So we had to have that kind of gritty, hardworking kind of identity out of necessity. Now, now they've got talent and they've got a lot of skill, but I, I feel if you, if you can get that identity and you have the skill, then you're going to give yourself a chance. And I think, um, you know, it's one thing to say you come into training camp, like we're talking about, this is the team we want to be. We want to be this hard work and this defensive, you know, juggernaut of a team. No one's going to work us. We want to be physical. You can't just say it and snap your fingers and you're automatically that you have to, it, it takes a lot of time. You know, you're going to get some guys that quite honestly, it's not in their, it's not in their character. It's not who they are um, as a player. That's okay. You're a skilled guy. You know, you got to get out of your comfort zone. You have to adapt to what the team wants to be. Um, but where I give John Hines credit with, to your initial point here is that throughout all the crap that they went through at the beginning of the year, they, they, were, they were uninspiring hockey. Uh, it was just all over the place. The penalty kill was horrible. All the things that they really said they wanted to be, they weren't. But they, I feel he's in charge of keeping everybody on point, on message, they'd say, you know what, we're, they were, they were accountable. They're like, we're terrible, but we're working, you know, towards this. We like this part of our game. We're getting there. And it was, you know, this, this week it was this, this week it was that. And you remember, it was just like, Oh God, are they ever, they're not that. And then all of a sudden. <laughs> that's yeah, not what they are. <laughs> that's not what they are. It's not, I know you say that's what you are, but you're not, that's not what you are, but they became that. And they had injuries. They called these young guys up who, they, they were winning down in, in Chicago and they had this hunger and it kind of invigorated the guys that were there. And it seemed like it injected life and maybe a little bit of desperation because these young kids came up like, holy shit, these kids are good. They're not just here filling space until so-and-so gets back or so-and-so 
this guy is going to take my job if I don't get my act together. And they became that. And it was just kind of a, I just really respect the, uh, I guess, dedication to the identity, which at the end of the day, I, I didn't think even, you know, the last couple of years, the Preds really had something to hang their hat on. I know they're a good team and good players, but I just, I don't know what kind of team. Now I know what kind of team they are. And a lot of credit goes to John Hines, his staff, but the players too for, for sticking with it. And, um, you know, at the end of the day, your coach, he's a captain of the ship. So he's responsible for that and getting the guys to buy in. And they did. So I, I really, I've got a lot of respect for John Hines and the credit he gives his coaching staff too. You don't hear a lot of head coaches uh, really commend the certain jobs that he delegates his assistants to do, you know, the, the, and I really respect the fact that he's not just taking all the credit for it. He's saying, you know what, Dan Hino, who I, who I played with, he's a good friend of mine. He came in here and he was that identity player. He was that kind of, so I, I want, you know, I gave him the, the, uh, the herd, you know, the herd line with, uh, he's like, I wanted, you know, to get these guys and we need that line. And he's, you know, he started that line every single game last half of the season, you know, Todd Richards, more of a head coach kind of a, uh, history so he's got that presence when John Hines realizes he's been in the room too much that he stepped back <laughs> you know what I mean so yeah, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I, I, I I really I've got a lot of respect for John Hines and the job he does yeah you, you can't have the same voice and the same message all the time like you gotta you gotta you gotta know how to change it up and push and pull and you know all that all that stuff what what is give us an, an idea of sort of the day-to-day like obviously the players I mean we sort of know the vast majority of the work the players are doing right now to get ready for camp is, is physical sort of training, right? They're just getting their bodies ready. I don't know how much like tape study you do, or I don't, I don't know how much good that does a player, honestly, but what is the coaching staff? Like, are they working every day grinding just like they do in the regular season to set up the camp so that they can learn the most about their players? Like try to give us a sense as to what the players and the coaches are both doing, trying to get ready for camp. Uh, Well, for coaches, like I honestly think, to be a coach, you, you have to, you know, in a way it's an obsession to be good, to be really good at, at that. And they're in there right now. They have their, their coaches room and they got the board. They probably have their projected lineup of what they think it's going to be. You know, we'll try this at camp and a couple things they want to camp. And then there's probably another list of guys on the side that are potential guys that, you know, Hey, we're going to keep an eye on uh, Afanasyev or someone like that. Who's a bigger guy. Um, that, you know, could maybe, you know, fight for a spot or is kind of ready, I guess. Or they'll look at certain guys that they feel, Jeremy Davies or whoever, some guys that have played Ference, and they'll have those guys and, you know, kind of tinker with things. What do you like this? You know, do you like, uh, you know, who are we going to play? Where, where's Duchesne going to play? You know, we got Granlin back. Where, where are we going to slot Cody Glatt? All these different things. So they'll do all the hypotheticals. And then when camp, you know, comes around, um, they'll have an opportunity to try those, to take a look at some of the young guys. They cut it down pretty quickly because games start so, so soon. Um, so they're, they're always in there. Uh, they're always in there doing that. But for, for a player, this is when you kind of, you start dialing it in, you know, no more, you're not, you're not going out, you know, having beers on the weekend all the time. And you're not, you know, you're not going out to dinner and you're getting, you know, ordering onion rings and all that kind of, you're, you're kind of, <laughs> dial, you're dialing it in these guys. Now they come in, to camp ready to go it's so competitive camp is short game start right away there's a lot of guys I feel on this team um, that have a lot to prove so I'm, I'm looking forward to camp in that regard to see guys like Ryan Johansson I know he's been working his butt off you know this summer guys like Matthew Shane who they have something to prove you know and, and these guys are, are proud guys and so I, I'm looking forward to not only seeing the young guys and new faces but guys like that that are going to come back with, I hope like a chip on their shoulder, like saying, you know what? I was exposed in expansion draft at an off year last year. It is what it is. Guys go through stuff, you know, off ice. I'm not, I'm not saying, saying that that happened with any of these guys at all, but that's the reality of, you know, people, you know, you go through (laughs) whatever, everybody goes. No way. Human beings are human beings. No way. Human beings are actually human beings. (laughs) They have emotional experiences that even though they play (laughs) sports, I don't, what are you talking about? Yeah. So, you know, that, but that's the, you know, that's, that's the truth. Right. And we, we all know that, but sometimes, I mean, I'm, I'm up there in the booth and you forget about all that kind of stuff, but, but um, again, it's, they're just good storylines because when a guy comes back and they do have that kind of little, you know, F you in their game and <laughs> they're, they're trying to say, you know, like, 
these guys are great players. They're competitive. They've got pride. And I want to see, uh, I want to see the rebound in those storylines too, along with the, the new guys coming in, um, you know, trying to make splash on the team as well. You know, you mentioned like all the tinkering and, and hockey, you know, as, as a kid growing up, loving the game, you know, playing in middle school or whatever, like that's the height of my like hockey knowledge. But I'd like to think that I know a little bit more about the game than kind of your average football Southerner or whatever, let's say, and I'm going to broad brush here because that's what we can do on the show. Um, (laughs) Like in football, I think fans and media both are extremely guilty of second guessing play calling. I think play calling is one of the dumbest things that fans second guess because you can go on Twitter and you can be like, why did we run the ball on third and four in that situation or whatever bullshit they want to put on social media. And I'm like, but you weren't in the coaching room while they practiced that play against that defensive front for a week, knowing that if they saw it, they were going to do this. And okay, it didn't work out, but yeah. but they had a plan and they prepared for it. Our line, our line combinations in hockey, a, a similar type of thing, because there is some truth to, well, we think Ellie Tolvanen needs to be on a top line to sort of maximize his potential or Philip Tomasino is not going to come in. And if he does earn a spot, it doesn't make sense for him to play on the fourth line. Like I know that they tinker a lot and they move guys around a lot. Is it overrated for us in the media and as fans to focus on line combinations or, or is it like, do you have to have a set group of lines? Cause I've seen, you know, even Peter Laviolette mess with the lines against Chicago in game one. And like, it worked great. So I don't know. Is that, does that question make sense? Like, are we overrating who plays with who, or is it still super critical or do we just have to trust the coaches? What's the best sort of approach to that discussion? Well, it's, it's good. You just made a lot of good points within in your little uh, comments there, because it, it obviously is a huge part of, of the game and finding out where, you know, certain guys slot in Ellie Tolvin, for example, is a great one. The guy's he's a power play player. He's a skilled guy. But, you know, one of the things that he's worked on and, and, you know, these guys need a certain amount of minutes. What's the point of having Philip Tomasino if he's going to play fourth line minutes, right? There's no point. Right. So I think a lot has to go into it, but I think the understanding of, you know, what it is today or this week, there's, you just mentioned 82 games, like it's going to change. If, if there's a player that, you know, you start Phil Tomasino, if he makes a team, which I think he's got a really good chance to make this hockey team, you know, he's going to be, is he going to be a centerman? Is he going to be a winner? He is a centerman. So is he going to be, you know, you have Ryan Johansson, you have Matt Duchesne, you have Colton Sissons, you have Granlund. You got a lot of guys that can play center. So does he start at center? Do you move Duchesne? There's just so many different things that you can do. And I guess until you try it, you don't really know. So I never really put a lot of stock into it. I, I like to do it though, too, because you have to find, it's interesting in hockey because there, there's the lines where you have to find, does this guy's skill set complement his wingers? Does do you need a certain element of grit? But this guy's got enough skill that he can play with Matt Duchesne and he can play with you know whoever. So it's it's really interesting. I love the um, I love the analysis. I think maybe like you said, a lot too much is put into it after the fact. Because I mean, at the end of the day, what are you going to do? You know, you try that, you try it out, it didn't work. Like you said, football, you made a play call. They said, okay, if we get in this situation. They think we're throwing the ball, but here's what we're going to run because that's how they're going to line up their defense. You can run the ball and yeah. Oh, well it didn't work. They made a good play, whatever you didn't execute, you know, we'll get the, you, you try something on the next one. So after the fact, but I guess that's, that's what social media is good at. Is <laughs> the old after the fact, and that's what yeah, we do too. Yeah, you know? Yeah. No, always, I know, I know. I know. We it's always like, analyze it after, but I, if people are talking about it, it it's good. But I, I do think too much is put into the hindsight part of it just because what are you going to do? Ooh, we, can you guys do a segment on the on on the broadcast that's hindsight? Can we do that? Oh, oh my god! Can Come on, dude. This segment. Come on, you got to do that, right? Like you've got to do that. Oh my god, that's what his interview. Or we should have a sit down with, with Heinz. Hindsight every Tuesdays, where we look back on the weekend's game. I'm just saying. Oh my god, that's hey, that's that's gold standard <laughs> segment material right there. Hindsight is 2021. I'm just saying. I'm just. Saying. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, just I'm just saying. Oh, maybe, maybe 2022. Um, no, so because you're right, though, because it's like, co- like again, I, I'm fascinated by this roster going into the year because there are so many possibilities. Like we, we I think we kind of know what the fourth line is going to look like. It was the, one of the most consistent lines across the board last year. So I think we know that you're probably going to get some combination of Sissons, Trennan and probably Olivier, maybe, Janot, whatever. But that's 
that's we know that that group plays really well together. They're a proven yeah. commodity. But after that, you just we don't know what Cody Glass is going to look like. We don't know what Tomasino brings to the table. I think Luke Cunning has top six capabilities because he's going to go stand his ass in front of the net, and I love watching that part of his game. Tolvanen obviously is could play top line, could play second line. Like there's so many great p- combinations. But these guys aren't putting these people together, like throwing darts over their shoulder with a blindfold on. Like we're not, they're not going to try Mikhail Granlund with somebody else just like without some reason to do it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's all like these guys, you know, that's another thing too, is, you know, when you're watching all the games, you forget about all their practice time and all the, you know, times they're trying things out in practice where they play these guys and they might see something they like. And um, a lot of it in hockey too. And, and, you know, with Braden is when, um, you know, in, in game adjustments, they're like, Hey, you know, this isn't working. We're going to, we got to, we got to change up the lines. You have a, you have a shitty first period or two periods and you're like, all right, let's just, let's just jumble them up and just throw it out there. We need a spark. And sometimes that works like for the longevity of it. I don't think that, you know, that's the way it goes, but sometimes you find something, you know, lightning in a bottle once in a while where you're just like, all right, we gotta, we gotta try something. We gotta send a message to this guy. He's playing on the top line. He's he's going down the fourth line or third line or whatever. We just right. you can't you can't have him up there. And sometimes you find that, but the, the construction of the lines this year, I really, I don't really know what direction it's going. When you're talking, like you said, I think the the fourth line, and sometimes it's hard to call them that because sometimes they're the they're the best line, and they start the hockey games because they, you know, they play to that identity and they are very good at what they do and they intimidate the other team and they can play against the top line if, if need be. But I think, um, you know, Jeannot is a guy that I feel has not only obviously that physicality part of his game, but I feel like he's got maybe the the best skill set of those guys to maybe move up and play a third line. Yep. Trenton, I think does too. Like I, I really, um, you know, but again, you got to be, they, at least they have four of the, that line that they created um, that they, they can have three of those guys. It, it reminds me, like, I again, I, I don't know how old you are. I'm, I'm 39, which I hate saying out loud. Um, 45. But So it, w- it would have been a couple years, you know, you would have been a l- couple years older than me, but, like, I grew up on 90s hockey. Like, I grew up yeah. on, like, the going into the Scott Stevens era, and oh, yeah. I grew up on, like, all that stuff in the early 90s, and, and you know, Brian Leach and, like, all these guys. And that line reminds me of an older style of hockey that I grew up on. And I know we have different rules and the game has to evolve and it's changed and all that stuff. And it's good for the game because, because of all the reasons, right? Safety, scoring, interest level, et cetera. But it does watching those guys play. It does remind me of this sort of like, it's, there's a little nostalgia there when I watch those guys. I don't know if if it means they're good enough to win a cup. I don't, I don't, you know, maybe not, but like, it still reminds me of my childhood and I like watching those. That's why I like watching those guys. Yeah, I do too, because it, it reminds you and it reminds me because I grew up in that era, obviously too, but it, it reminds you that that the physicality part of it does have a, a place and an impact in the game. Obviously we're not going out there and everyone's not dropping the mitts all the time. There's all line brawls and all this kind of stuff. That's not going to happen, but the effectiveness of those guys, when they go out there, you can see it, it's, it's unbelievable to see when you don't have that presence on your hockey team, which I don't really think the Preds did maybe the last couple of years. They always got physical players and guys that'll fight and do whatever, but it's that little bit of a fear factor where, you know, you have this line and all three guys can hit, like they're just, you know, brick shit houses and they just, they can just go in the corner and, and absolutely, you know, crush you the way a defenseman now, when they get the puck, they know when they're on the ice. They're getting, they're, they're, they're looking back. They're like, oh, here comes Trennan or here comes, uh, you know, or Olivier or Sissons or whatever. It makes Sissons. He plays a lot more physical now too. He's yeah. a strong kid. But when you have those guys, it makes you, you're tougher because you have tough friends. Right. And and, he, <laughs> and so they get the puck and they just rim it around. And all of a sudden, you know, you have, Janot coming down here and he's blown. They, all of a sudden they have the puck and they're playing in your zone for, you know, a minute and a half. Cause the, the first guy that touched a puck was scared. He was going to get hit. The gold standard, Steve Cavendish, is brought to you by Jaspers. It's always brought to you by the good people at Jaspers. All right, go to Jaspers. It's always Jaspers. Brought to you by Jaspers. Free parking at Jaspers. Great food at Jaspers. Great drink specials at Jaspers. In fact, Steve, I will be going to Jaspers this weekend. I cannot wait. I get the whole entire house to myself, which I'm not sure has happened in five years. 
And so with a free house, you'll be spending your time at Jasper's. Well, you know, not like every second of the day. I will have lots of alone, quiet time in the house, which is normally not ever the case. But, you know, like on a Thursday evening, perhaps if the NFL season was starting, you know, perhaps you might want to go to a, a local establishment that feels like it's evolved beyond the average sports bar, you know, with, with excellent drink specials and free parking and a great menu. I don't know. That might be a good thing to do when you don't have your children or your wife at your house because they're out of town putting their toes in the sand. I don't I just just if you've got all day on a Saturday, you might want a place for refreshing beverages, great places to to watch a game, good food. I mean, just maybe, maybe maybe you might want that. These are things one might want if one's 3 and 4 year old and wife were out of town. <laughs> now, see see what I think you should do is you should you should celebrate them being at the beach with maybe a little frozen beverage of your own. Go because you chat. can do that. At Jasper's. At Jasper's. <laughs> uh, Tennessee Mule. They got the cold fashion. They got the Frosé. They got all those great drink specials. Of course, regular fantastic beers on tap all over, which I know is your generally your beverage of choice, Steve. Uh, I, yeah, I, but yeah, but, but, if, but if I'm celebrating, if I were at the beach, what I would oh. want is probably that mule. I mean, it's a little whiskey, a little more whiskey, a little <laughs> lime, a little ginger beer. Uh, really, really good. I can't, I can't pound beers at, at, at the, uh, at, at the beach all day. I, I just, you know, something, something nice and cold to sip. That's all I really want. Which you should do at Jasper's go to Jasper's. However, if we're talking about what our favorite beach beverage is, and this also applies to tailgating for football games for me or going to a music festival, which I have done recently, I make a Tennessee mule. It's I'm sure it's not as good as Jasper's. But I go to the beach. I get that giant, you know, what's the giant, like 32-ounce Yeti? You know what I'm talking about? Like the big oh, yeah. one. And you can put, I'm not ashamed to, to admit, maybe seven or eight ounces of liquor <laughs> <laughs> into a Yeti, loaded up with like, you know, another 25 ounces of, of ginger beer, squeeze like two full limes in there, drop in some ice. I realize I'm over the 32 ounce. I was going to say, point. I mean, do you have an extra cup for the overflow? Does that sound like a good, a good mix there? That's because a good the mix. Ice, the ice won't melt in the Yeti. You never have to go back to the beach house. You just stay down at the beach under the tent. You bring a book and you never have to bring a cooler. You don't have just a Tennessee mule on the beach with some whiskey, some bourbon, some lime and some ginger beer in a cup that will keep it cold. And you never have to tote all that crap around. You know? And if you, and if you can't be at the beach, Go to Jasper's. It's a pretty good Tennessee mule. It's fantastic. And I'm going to have one this weekend, maybe more than one. And um, we'll see where the night takes us. You know, Thursday night, Saturday night. These are all good times to be at Jasper's all football season long. Friday nights, there might be some games too. I don't know. You know, like, yeah, I, I mean, you've taken all the nights. That's fine. <laughs> what about Monday night? There's football on Monday nights. I mean, sure. Yeah, I mean, you know our position on this. Go to Jasper's. All right, let's go. Let's go rapid fire here. So just a couple of quick sentences on some of these guys, what you want to see develop so that they can kind of go to the next level, because you've already mentioned a few young players and I am I will be blatantly obvious here. And I am the president of the Alexander Carrier fan club like I. I, that guy is diving towards the net in, in playoff games oh. on the top pairing with Roman Yossi. The guy's confidence is off the charts. Uh, I think the skill level is off the charts. So I want to go rapid fire with some of these guys that are the young players that are going to be developing into bigger roles, not the new guys and not the stars, uh, although I will ask you about Duchesne, of course. But with, let's start with Alex Carrier. What, what is the thing that you want to see in camp that makes him that he's able to go to sort of the next level? We can go kind of quickly here. I want to see him walk in, act like he's been there before. He's had a lot of experience in the minors. He's been the guy. He's been a captain. He really adjusted to that role in the NHL. I want him to walk in like he's a top four, like he finished the season. Not like, hey, can I do it again? I want to act like he's been there like he was last year and move forward as a top four, no looking back. What about Dante Fabro? Fabro, um, I want him to take the next step. He's uh, shown flashes. He's got the potential. He's got the ability. Um, I think like any young player, you have the, uh, maybe the, in your head a little bit too much. 
I want to see him again. I want him puffing his chest out saying, all right, you know, Carrier came in, you kind of took my, you know, spot on the totem pole. I want to come in. I want to be a top four. I want to see Dante Fabro in the top four. You mentioned Tanner Janot. I'm going to bring him in here because I agree with you. He's got a step above, I think, offensive skill-wise than maybe the rest of those guys. What What is the next thing for him? Because he's basically kicked in every door that's ever been put in front of him. Uh, next thing for Tanner Janot would be, all right, you're not sneaking up on anybody anymore. You know, and that's that's when it gets harder for a player. Once you've arrived on the scene and you make a little bit of a splash like he did, it becomes harder because, you know, opponents know who he is now. I want to see him move from a fourth-line player to fight for a spot on the on the third line. I want to see maybe some special teams in his future if he can, given the opportunity. I want to see him, you know, that's a big leap to take, but he he made a huge splash last year. So I, I have big expectations for him. And I know it gets harder when you have a full season, but I want to see him, uh, I want to see him climb up from, you know, just one line from the fourth to the third. All right, we'll work up here our, our way up the roster. Ellie Tolvin in a lot of talk about the 200-foot game, and he's a more physical player than people realize. Obviously had the injury. What What is the thing that makes him a, another a next-level player that you want to see in camp from Tolvin? Uh, from Tolvin, I think it's more of a throughout the season. I want to see more stamina. I think younger players, when you're playing that heavy of a schedule, um, he was good for so long, and then he kind of fell off, and I feel that was a bit of maybe – too much hockey or just he's never done that before I want to see that the stamina and the consistency in his game I felt at the end obviously he didn't play in all the playoff games that you know it, it was tough his defensive game as you mentioned it's okay if you're not scoring as long as your your other game is part of your game is consistent but I felt near the end of the season he kind of tailed off on the stuff that he was so good at throughout the season when he wasn't scoring so I want to see more consistency stamina I've already mentioned how, how much of a fan I am of, of Luke Cunning and his potential. Uh, we've seen flashes of it, uh, plenty of physicality. What what will allow Luke Cunning to, to elevate? Luke Cunning, I want to see the Luke Cunning. I know when you get traded and all those stuff, we're talking about these guys being human beings. There's an adjustment period. There was an adjustment period for Luke Cunning. He's here now. He's uh, solidified his role the Luke Cunning that came back from injury early because Philip Forsberg got hurt and played with a chip on his shoulder and was that guy that was in front of the net every single time, scored some massive goals for the team. He's got the skill. He's got the grit. He's got all those uh, intangibles that this team's identity needs. I want to see that Luke Cunning right from the start of the year leading the way. He's a leader now. All right, last one, um, the one everyone wants to hear about. 95, Matt Duchesne, the underlying metrics were solid, didn't finish the plays a lot last season, but he's obviously, for right or for wrong, going to take a ton of the, the spotlight from Preds fans. W what is it that he actually needs to do better to, to, to elevate his game? I feel, for me, I feel Matt Duchesne needs to get out of his own way. I, I feel he loves the game so much. He wants success and he wants to do so well, so bad that I feel when it's not going in his favor, he's getting in his own way. What's the, you know, over analysis creates paralysis or whatever the saying is. I feel like he just, he wants it so bad that he's, he's kind of getting in his own way. I want him to free himself of all the stuff going on in here and just play the game. You know, he loves the game as much or more than anyone in the world. He's a hockey nerd. He loves it. It's, it's his life. But I feel when you get like that, you, you really, you, limit yourself because you think about it. You almost care too much. I want him to forget all that crap and just go play and play. I want to see a little chip on his shoulder too. He's a great player. JP Dumont told me when he was skating the team um, before training camp last year, I think he said he's one of the most skilled guys he's ever seen. He was like blown away. This guy's a good player. He can be, uh, they're going to need him this year. So I want him to get out of his own way. Just go play the game. Just go on your instincts. You know, the game, just go play and uh, kick some butt. Uh, Johansson and Forsberg, I think most of us all understand the, the extraordinary talent, but that, you know, power for Forsberg and consistency for Johan for Johansson. Is that, is that as simple as it gets for those two guys? Just play with more power, play with more consistency. Is that, is that it? Yeah. I think, you know what, these guys, they can, they've shown they can be dominant players. Philip Forsberg, I, I truly believe that he's got this skill. He could be a 40 goal scorer. You know, obviously these guys got to stay healthy too, but, um, you know, and again, consistency, it's hard when you, you know, you've got a team and you have maybe limited guys that the other team has to focus on offensively, Forsberg, Johansson, obviously Duchesne are those guys that, you know, get the hard assignments, but, but they're good enough to, 
to have success without it. And then for, for Johansson, I think for him, it, it's a mindset thing where he's got to, it, it's hard to play that way as a big guy, but he's got to have a little bit of a, you know, he's got a little bit of a piss in your cornflakes attitude. When he plays like that in playoffs, you know what it's like. Oh my he, God. Yeah. That's a great playoffs. He's a beast. He's so strong. He's so skilled. He can just dominate games. It's tough to do that. But I think they, those guys, especially you've lost some leadership, you know, guys, uh, you know, like Ryan Ellis and certain guys that these guys, you have to lead now, embrace the leadership role, embrace being the guy and then, you know, go and be the guy. Are you going to keep the Ellis beard for the broadcast? Are you going to keep that? Yeah, I think, I, I think it's, I, I always ask my kids if I could, cause I, I like having <laughs> it, here, but I also sometimes like shaving it once in a while and then I grow it back right away. But, uh, I think it's here for a while. Does so. the, the, this might be, you can tell me if this is too personal. Does the wife like the beard? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. That's all. That, that, one, yeah. One, that was, one, one word answers are fine on that one. <laughs> if that wasn't the case, it'd be, well, I'd, I'd probably defer to the kids if I wanted to keep it. I'd be like, oh, the kids want me to keep it. Yeah. So. <laughs> That's what I do. That's what I do with clothing. My wife, my wife looks at my clothing and yeah. says, why did you buy that? I said, cause my four-year-old loves it. What are you talking about? <laughs> Yeah, there you go. Um, um, all right, so let, let's last one here, and then kind of we'll move on to a larger conversation about UC Soros because obviously you've got some 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 insight here and into this particular position. Because I, I don't know, you know, outside of growing to six four two thirty, he sort of does everything you could ever ask for from him. Like he just he's never out of position. He takes more shots in the chest directly because he's squared up better than anybody else. And and again, I'm, you're you're the expert here, but. I don't know what UC Soros can do to actually, I, everybody can get better. Everybody can always get better. I get that. But, but it, it feels like these stretches we've seen from him, other than maybe starting the season that way, I'm not sure what else UC Soros is, is supposed to do. Honestly, am I, am I crazy? Like, is that wrong? No, no, it's not. And, and, you know, honestly, that's very, uh, your analysis on that is, is exactly right. He's, he makes, you never see him make, all these unbelievable saves. I mean, they are because of certain situations because he always puts himself in the right position, his ability. And I say this on the broadcast that I know, obviously some people think I'm a homer because I work for the Preds and all this kind of stuff. But when I talk about these guys, I'm not BS in one bit. He is probably the best and most sound technical goalie in the world. His ability to react and to recognize a situation and instantaneously react. That's why he's what you notice him. He's always, he's always, his chest is always right in the middle. He's always in position. Yeah. He may get beat here. Sometimes he may get beat here. And then it looks like, well, it wasn't a great goal. Well, half the league would have been still coming across when he's already standing there, you know? So to your point, I really couldn't agree more. If he can stay the same, which is top five numbers on a team that quite honestly, the, the first part of the season was terrible defensively. He wasn't great either. Um, nobody was really good, but his second half was one for the books. If, if he can take that season and stay the same for the rest of his career, that's exact. That's you're, you're talking a top five goaltender. You don't need to get much better in terms of, uh, you know, statistics, the way he played the game, but the challenge for him this year, what I, I look for is, all right, this is the first time there's no Pecorine. There's no security blanket there. He's the guy. He got the big contract, which I which I think David Paul. I think it's a a team friendly contract, but very, very I, much. I would agree. Yeah, compared to other guys, right? Yeah, I mean, no a question. Lot of money. But you know, if you look at the other guys that signed, they got more and they had less of a you know success rate in games as used. Anyway, so now the the challenge is going to be here for him. He is the guy. There's no if I have a couple bad games, well, we got pecs to put in. Or, you know, you've got maybe another guy that they went out and I know they got Riddick who you want to make sure you get a guy that understands their role. So they're not, although they want to play every game and they're trying to compete as well, they're not, you know, it doesn't become a, a competition because it's not. But if, if Saros thinks it is, or if that part right. of the factor, you know what I mean? It's, yeah, it's the yeah. mental part now for juice. If you can keep every, and that's, that's how it's hard to keep that. Um, you know, play on the ice the same. So for Juice, if he stays the same and he keeps playing, you know, 92-3 save percentage or whatever it was and, you know, top five numbers, that's all he's got to do. If he, if he stays the same, he can't get much better than he had, especially the second half of the season. It, it does speak to how remarkable Pekka 
handled all that situation. It certainly helps that they're from the same country that they live together. But like, I, I still don't think there's many human beings in the world that would help groom someone to replace them in any job, in any walk of life, no matter how much the paycheck is or, or whatever. And, and it speaks to the, the, the man that, that of course, Pecorino is. Um, I did hear, we did have a story last week on the show from, from John Glennon in his book about the snowstorm that I believe got Dan Ellis paid. And I, th- I think you, were you on the team when Pekka was supposed to come down and make a start? Yeah. And then the snowstorm hits and he gets his luggage stuck. And so then Ellis goes out and like, has like the best, like six <laughs> games of his entire career, signs a contract and Pecorine doesn't come back to Nashville for like two years. Were you around for that? Right. Yeah, I was around. I actually got traded the next year and that's when Pekka came back. Cause I was, I wasn't having a great year and we were down, we we're close to the playoffs and Pekka was in Milwaukee and he was playing awesome. And like, Hey, we got to, you know, these Ellie and I weren't playing great. So they're like, Hey, we got to call this kid up. He's playing awesome. Uh, in Milwaukee, we, you know, we need to every game, we got to win these games to get points. So, um, so they're going to call him up. He has a snowstorm or whatever. Couldn't make it. Dan Ellis goes in and, um, you know, plays lights out. Like you said, he got us in the playoffs. We ended up losing Detroit in the first round, but it was a, a great run down the stretch for this, for our team to get in. This is after we traded away. I don't think Korea was there. Sully, Sully was hurt. Hartnell, you know, everybody, Volkun, everybody was gone. So anyway, we end up getting in. But yeah, Pekka was supposed to was supposed to be there. He got a game, I think, when we we finally clinched, and then he got to play against uh, Chicago or whatever. But uh, what what is yeah. the com- What's the conversation like when the coach has to say to you, "Hey, we're going to call this guy up," and it's your position? Like you, we we just talked about the human element and the emotion of the experience. Mm-hmm. Like, what is that like for you? Oh, it hurts. Like it sucks, but like you you know you just if you have a good, I guess, self evaluation you you understand i mean it, it doesn't hurt any less or anything but you understand you're like hey man like if, if i'm not playing good like what, what the hell are you gonna you know i don't want to go in there and hurt the team like at the right, end of the right. day, if you're playing good and that help and then i'd be like hey man what, what's going on it would, that wouldn't happen but you know if you're not this is professional sports it's not professional friendship time <laughs> you know like hey buddy we like you. You're a good guy. You're getting the dressing room you work hard and practice we're gonna give you a game here you know it's not like that yeah, so yeah you understand, but I think your initial point too was, you know, the kind of person that Peck is that I don't think juice would have, I know juice wouldn't have developed as quickly if he wasn't playing with Pekka. And, you know, I know Peck's on a, you know, we're, we're friends and on a personal level, I know he struggled with, you know, the last couple of years of kind of phasing out his starting um, gig and juice taking over, not because he, you know, had any ill will toward uh, juice. He was happy for him. He knew how good he was. And it's kind of like that. I, I knew how good Pex was. I knew I wasn't going to be there much longer or Ellis wasn't going to be there much longer. I got traded in the summer, but you understand that part of it, but it's still, you know, it still leaves a mark. Like I know Pex last couple of years, it was tough to accept that even though he did it with grace and nobody on the outside would ever know. I knew it's, I knew it was hard for him. That's that's even that makes it even more remarkable. <laughs> like yeah, just just it really does the ability for him to like just like you <clears> said <throat> ha- handle it with uh, composure and grace and elegance and all that stuff, man. Um, all right, la- last one here before we get to sevenelement.org. Of course, the website where you and a bunch of the guys are all there helping uh, w- warriors, uh, uh, military men, and first responders getting back into sort of hockey and, and sports and sort of re assimilating back into civilization. I want to get you to to explain some of that, but is there anything you think the media in general, because now you've seen both sides of it and you've been in, in both sides of the business for a while, hockey, as a player and as, as, as a member of the media. Is there anything that we need to do better, understand more, uh, grasp better about the game of hockey so that we can all be better fans, better reporters? Is there anything at all that you think that, that sometimes just rubs you the wrong way that we get wrong? Uh, I, I'd, I'd say the biggest thing, you, you, you guys do, honestly, you do such a great job and um, you know, with the way that you approach things and, you know, it's, it's almost like, you know, you guys do it like therapeutically where you, you talk it out, it's talk radio, but you, you look at all the angles. I, I would say the biggest thing for me is that helped me as an athlete that helps me as a, a broadcaster that would help me as a fan is before I go into every season, I know for a fact without a doubt that there's going to be a stretch in the season that just sucks. Okay. You're going to go, you're going to have a tough time no matter how hard you're trying 
every, the best team in the league, the team that wins the Stanley cup is going to have, you know, the dog days where they're, they just, they suck. They're not doing good. And they're, you know, you, you have to answer all these questions. It, it's the, the, I guess the overreaction of certain things. I think that as a player, as a fan, as a media member, I get, but it's, it's different. I think as an athlete, it helps you get through it because, Hey, I know I'm going to have a tough week. I'm going to slump, I guess. If I know it's coming in advance, I think that I can get through it a little quicker. You know, if, if all of a sudden it hits me at, you know, you know, halfway through the season, I'm like, Oh my God, Oh my God, I suck. What's going on. It's going to be, it's going to happen longer. And I think as a fan or as a broadcaster, when this happens, I can say, Hey, this is going to happen to every single team. It's happening to the Preds right now. All right. What do we do? We try to find the problems. We try to identify them. We try to fix them. And I think if you have that kind of level headedness, um, I think it can maybe for me help paint, you know, a bigger, the picture more from the inside. Now for you guys, I think it's kind of good if it's like, you know, it's entertainment too. Like you got to get, you got to get fired up. There's has to be, I love the fans passion. I love the media's passion. I love having passion and having a reaction because you care about it. You care about sports. You may be indifferent on, you know, who you care wins or this or that or whatever, but you have to, if you don't have passion about something, you, you have nothing, I think. So it's a fine line. I think for you guys, I like when you, you know, you guys get fired up. Everyone hates, you know, Jared Stillman, but I, I like the fact that he invokes emotion. You know, you guys, you, you guys get people fired up. The games get people fired up. You know, we get people fired up whether they agree with you or not. It's creating a conversation. It's, you know, it's fueling what people love. So I don't really have any advice. I just have how I approach things. And I think maybe sometimes we talked about the old uh, dreaded social media, which I, <laughs> I love. I love most of the time. But I think you get a lot of over-emotional reactions. And I would just say if you could just mm. take a deep breath and then just realize, hey, it's going to be okay. So your message is to not overreact on Twitter. Yeah, there uh, it is. That's, that's the, okay. my long-winded speech right there well, was just to overreact on Twitter. <laughs> Godspeed delivering that message to, <laughs> to the masses. Yeah, exactly. Godspeed. All right, 7element.org, of course, is the website, the number 7element.org. How'd you guys get involved? What's the mission and, and how can people help? Okay, I'll try to be quick. I've been I've been a little long winded this morning, but so I met Brian Bailey. He was in a, a Preds. It was an adult hockey camp, and I just like I was talking to all the campers. I just started talking to him, and he started telling me his story. And he was just in his final couple years of military. He was a sniper. He was until last year. I think he was the most deployed uh, member of the military in the history of the u.s military until last year i think someone might have passed him he said he's retired now but he started this group and it started out with i believe 30 people and it was to help military members transition out of their service into the civilian life and it grew in the next year or two to over 500 and it continues to grow and he told me about some conversations that he'd had with um either active duty military or um, people that had been out two in the morning, three, four in the morning with, uh, you know, a bottle of whiskey and, you know, contemplating doing some bad things. And he said, whoa, 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 whoa. He's like, you know what? He's like, why don't you come? Uh, you know, we, we'll, we'll pay for all your gear. You're going to come out and you're going to play hockey with us. And you're going to have your team back again that, you know, when you transition out, athletes go through the same thing, not the same way, but the same feeling of, you know, you're part of something, all of a sudden, boom, it's over. You have nothing in terms of the way that your life's been for, you know, however long you know it. These guys, it's on a whole different scale. And his phone's always open. He, all, he, he, he said, I think in the first or second year, when it grew from 30 to like 500, he said uh, he figures probably saved almost 100 lives, like 50 to 100 of, of people that he talked to that, not that they were going to do that, but they, they said that because I'm part of this now, I feel like I have my you know support system back. People that have been through what I've been through, what they've been through together to be able to help each other at different stages of their career, at different stages of the transition, the networking. So Hal Gill, uh, Brad Miller, who's another uh, friend of ours, uh, 
the national predators alumni, we, we try to help these guys as much as we can and, and support their, uh, their goal and their mission, because I just, it just, you know, it hits here when I hear him talk about it. So yeah, that's, that's kind of our, that's our big thing because there's such great men and women. And obviously I know how much you had a great story about, uh, you know, how much respect you have in your military buddy that, that you guys had a connection with, um, and how much it means to you. So these guys are, they're the true heroes, right? So when they get out, we got we to gotta still support them. It's very, it's very similar. Athletes always say almost exclusively, like the thing they miss the most is the locker room, the camaraderie. And when you hear men and women talk about why they go back to whatever it is that they're going back to, to being deployed into, it's, they're not going back for the cause. They're going back for their team. They're going back for their, the person they're standing next to. They're going back for somebody else. And you're right. Like coming back here, and just being like, just like a retired athlete, like being thrown into a whole new life and a whole new structure, um, you know, get out there on the ice a little bit. Uh, I imagine it's it's been doing a, a lot of good for a lot of people. So keep it up. The website, again, if you want to check it out, the number seven, wordelement.org, sevenelement.org. Go check it out. Uh, Chris, it has been a pleasure talking with you, man. Thank you. You've been very gracious with your time this morning. We do appreciate it. Uh, of course, everybody go to Jasper's. Great parking, great drink specials, great happy hour. You got football now, but hockey's coming soon. And of course, happy hour during every single Preds game. And of course, the gold standard cocktail at Jasper's. So go check out Jasper's as well. Chris, thank you, man. Uh, it means the world to us to have you on, and we do appreciate it. Love talking with you, buddy. And I will go get the gold standard at Jasper's. That's or or get it delivered if we can have that. <laughs> I I could personally I have to get through some checkpoints uh, <laughs> at, at the stone, but I could I could try to deliver you a gold standard cocktail during a broadcast at some point during this year. Okay. I know some seven element guys that could help us with the operation. We could ask <laughs> some some espionage to get yeah, some. We can do this. We, I think we can do this. We can do this. <laughs> I like it, man. Chris, thank you so much, man. We, we, we love talking with you. We appreciate it. Everybody out there, uh, go check out sevenelement.org as well. My name is Braden Gall. Thank you all for listening. Rate, review, subscribe, share the show, all that great stuff. This has been the gold standard podcast on the 440 sports network.